Good morning, Canyon Hills. Last week, Pastor Matt mentioned that there is more adventure, there's more political intrigue, even more death threats, more, more courage in the life of Daniel than all the blockbuster movies put together. The only difference is that those movies I'm talking about, all those movies I'm talking about are, are fake stories. But these lessons that we're talking about in the life of Daniel are things that actually happened. Now, we learned last week that this background of the nation of Israel had fallen into some real spiritual decline. And God was, he was pretty ticked, you know, with the nation of Israel because they had fallen into idolatry, immorality, and injustice. Does that kind of ring a bell for some things that may be happening to our society today? You know, there's a reason maybe that why God should be a little upset with us as well. But back then, there were, there were prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Sephaniah who were saying, guys, listen, if you don't get your act together, we're going to see our freedom just disappear in this nation. And if we don't stop conforming to things, things are going to get worse. I mean, this is a very timely thing. It's amazing how all this was happening so long ago, and yet we can relate to that even today as we sit here this morning. And that is exactly what happened in 586 B.C. God allowed the most powerful empire of that time, the, the Babylonian Empire, headed by this guy, King, King Nebuchadnezzar, to swarm into Israel and to devastate the country. He started by destroying the capital of Jerusalem, and, and then he took 25% of the population as, as prisoners of war, and he took them back to Babylon, where he had them for 70 years. And one of those prisoners of war that was carried off with this young teenager named Daniel. He was 15 years old. He was separated from his parents. He never got to go back to his country. But for the rest of his life, as we read his story, is this amazing rags to riches story that where he starts off as a prisoner of war and he ends up being the most powerful man in, in this empire at the age of 85 when he passed away, except for the emperor. And now this King Nebuchadnezzar, he picks out that we learned last week, he, he picks out the, the smartest, the brightest, the best looking, which means if they were to take you guys, all of you guys would go with them. And, and he takes the most gifted Israelites and he brings them into this palace. And he, at that time, he gets a bunch of these Hebrew boys, you know, these, these Jewish boys. And Daniel happens to be one of the kids that is picked. King Nebuchadnezzar says, now I'm going to put you in through this indoctrination program that's going to last three years. So they teach him a new language, they teach him a new culture, new habits, a new religion, and they even changed their names. And not only did they change all of this, but they, they gave him this new diet, which is amazing to me how that was a big focus as well. And they said, you know, you're not going to get to eat this Jewish food anymore. We're going to give you, all of you, Babylonian food. So what you were seeing here is this total reprogramming, this total assimilation process that is happening here. And that's where we pick up the story in, in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, starting in verse 5. And it says, The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Well, this morning, I want us to look at how Daniel was tested, and he was tested with social pressure to conform, and I also want to look at how he handled it. Because like Daniel, we are going to be confronted with a lot of social pressure to conform to something that maybe you don't agree is right. And this could happen by your boss, 
It could happen by your government. It could happen by an authority figure in your life. And you're going to feel pressured at some time in your life, if you haven't already, to conform to something that you know is not right. And Daniel here in this story says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to defile myself. You may think, you know, what's wrong with eating Babylonian food? You know, when in Rome, you do what the Romans do, eat what they eat. But why did Daniel decide right here and there to take on the most powerful man in the world and says, I'm not going to eat your food? I mean, why does he do that? There's, there's several reasons, and I, w- I want to point a few of them out to you. Some of them are, are simplistic, but some of them are really important to us this morning. The first reason is because of health reasons. Although the king's food was probably really good tasting, it wasn't the healthiest choice. Today we would call it junk food, meaning it wasn't for the health conscious. So there's this physical reason. But he also said he's not going to eat it because there's culture reasons too, and this is even more important. You know, God in the Bible, he gave Jews, the, uh, Jews, the, the nation of Israel, he, he gave them very strict dietary laws. Today we call them kosher laws. And, and God did this because he said that, you know, I want you to be different and never forget how unique you are from everybody else. That means that you don't get to eat like the rest of the world eats. And, and it wasn't because that God thought that the Jews were better. It's just that God said, I have chosen the nation of Israel to be a conduit. I mean, that's where Jesus came from, to be a conduit for some amazing things. And you're never to forget that you're going to be unique. So you have to eat differently than everybody else does. So there's this physical reason, now there's this cultural reason, and here's the third reason, and very important for us to understand this morning. Daniel knows that this is another attempt to totally reprogram him, to give him, to get him to conform, to get him to forget God, to, to forget the values that he learned as a kid. You know, so they're changing everything. They don't want to have these spiritual Jews anymore, but they want them to become secular Babylonians. So we are starting to see that in, that in our culture today, maybe that's happening to us a little bit. We're, we're becoming a little more unpopular by having a faith, by being Christians, and, and it's going to be harder for us in some of our circles. But this is the first test that Daniel passed. And in, in this first test, I mean, he shows some character qualities, some, some abilities that are so important to us because I think if we need to pay attention to these, because if, if you want to receive God's blessing in your life, we need to seriously take a look at these character qualities that Daniel possessed. And these, these qualities are not just for that God to bless us, but they come in handy in dealing with each other in relationships. They come in handy, especially when you're facing hostile work environments at work, and they come in handy just uh, in, you know, in everyday life. I mean, think about it for a second. How did Daniel get promoted five times as we read on through the book of Daniel? And at that time... Nobody agreed with his beliefs. Nobody agreed with his faith. I mean, again, it's probably something that we should pay attention to. And in Daniel, as he passes this first test that was presented to him, this food test, if you will, he reveals these qualities that God uses to bless his people. And when he sees this in your life and when he sees these qualities in my life, he's going to bless us as well. The first thing that I notice when I take a look at Daniel's life and, and how he passed this test is Daniel's integrity. Because Daniel never forgot who he was. He never forgot who he was. He said, hey, listen, you can change my address, my clothing, change my name, but you're not going to change my heart. You know, Daniel resolved, the word says, not to defile in himself. He says, I'm not going to be conformed 
to society's values. And look at what Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly and completely change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God. You know, I came across this picture. Yeah, that picture. And, and I discovered that, that Japanese farmers, in an effort to make cutting water, watermelon easier, in an effort to make it stack easier, in an effort to make it fit in the refrigerator, they, they came up with uh, this, this mold where they could put a watermelon into it and they could shape it this way. And the first thing I thought of is I, I actually started looking to see if they sold any around here. I couldn't find any, but I want some. But apparently, as the watermelon grows, it conforms to the external pressures and it starts to take the shape given by its designer. And folks, it's easy to see why I'm going there. There are external pressures that we can succumb to that, that may make us conform to its design. And if we're not careful, we're all going to start to take the shape based on you know, the mold that was created by our societies or our environments, or, and before we know it, we're gonna, we might start to look like something that wasn't intended. So, so the way I see it this morning, you have two choices in life. You'll be conformed or you'll be transformed. You'll be conformed to the world, like, you know, the world, like you're going to be like everybody else. You're going to talk the same, smell the same, you want the same things, you know, and you're going to be conforming to this world. But you have to choose if, they, if you're going to be conformed by the world or you're going to be transformed by his word. And if you're transformed by the word, then the Bible verse that we just read says, and then and only then will you know the will of God. You know, as a, as a pastor, I hear comments a lot and I hear a lot of questions. And one of the most common ones is like, you know, pastor, I, I don't know what God's will for my life is. And, and there's so much to that answer. But the bottom line, as I think of it, it, is because most of the time, people are conformed to the world. Most of the time, you know, they, they are more interested in being like everybody else than interested in being unique and who God made them to be. So as long as you're worried about conforming, meaning looking the same, acting the same, uh, speaking the same, to be cool, as, as long as you are worried about conforming, you're never going to be worried about transforming, which means that you're probably not going to know the will of God for your life. So in this story, Daniel reveals this integrity. He doesn't forget who he is and who God made him to be. And then he also reveals this discipline, this amazing discipline that he displays. And it's amazing to me how this young man didn't let, you know, he wasn't controlled by his ego and he wasn't controlled by his, by his appetite. You know, the Bible says that Daniel made up his mind not to eat the food and wine given to them by the king. And I'm sure this is good food. I mean, we're not talking, this is kind of gourmet stuff probably, but, but Daniel shows this tremendous discipline in spite of this great temptation. Now, I want you guys to put yourself in Daniel's place for just one second. Imagine you guys are 15 years old, or imagine your kid being 15 years old. And you're a teenager, and you're, you're taken by force to this foreign country, and now you have no parental supervision. Think of kids going off to college, okay? You're, he's 15 years old. And then the most powerful man in the country offers you all kinds of perks and says, hey, 
you're going to be in my personal staff. And by the way, I'm going to give you the power, and I'm going to give you prestige, and I'm going to give you pleasure, and, and now you're going to be getting the best of everything. You're going to get to get all these perks, and you're going to get to live in the palace. You're going to be given this preferential treatment. Basically, the best education that our, that our country can offer. The most expensive food. Think about that for a second. Would you turn that down? Would, you, would your 15-year-old turn? I don't think I would turn that down today. That sounds pretty good. But, I mean, we kind of see this happen. It's pretty easy to see that in our society today, isn't it? Especially with, with young kids that are good at some sports. Don't we see that all the time? And all of a sudden, they're pulled off the street, and they're, you know, they're, they're just recruited and drafted into the NBA and the, and the NFL, and all of a sudden, they're giving this enormous amounts of money, and these kids are just out there, and the people treat them like gods. We treat them like gods. They're giving all these perks, and when they mess up, it's just covered, swept under the rung. They have publicists to do that. And all of a sudden, we realize that these kids, these young adults, can't handle that kind of success early in life. We see it all the time. So Daniel here, he, he's incredibly disciplined and has this amazing amount of maturity for a 15-year-old and for any age. Look at what the Bible says in Romans. He says, Do not let any part of your body become a tool for wickedness, used for sinning. Instead, give yourself completely to God, because you want to be a tool in the hands of God, used for His good purposes. And I share this with you because I think this is the decision that Daniel made as a young teenager. It's a decision that we should make at whatever age we're at, that we want to be used by God, not used by the world. I want to be used by God, not used by our culture that can easily use us. I want to be transformed by God, not be conformed to the world. He had integrity. He had discipline. And the third thing I see here is that Daniel had I mean, he had an amazing amount of courage. It's amazing to me how much courage this guy had. Because think about it. He was willing to stand alone. That took a great amount of courage for Daniel to ask the most powerful man in the world to exempt him from eating the food. I mean, that's, that's an insult to the king. And what made that even more difficult was that he was not the only Jewish boy in the program. He had three friends that went along with him, but everybody else, all these other young Jewish young men who had been taken captives, apparently saw no problem in eating the king's food. And I'm sure all of them were saying, well, everybody else is doing it. I mean, how many times have you said that to your parents? Or how many times have your kids said that to you? Everybody else is doing it. But Daniel says, you know, I, I don't care if the whole world is doing it. If it's wrong, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to eat this food. It's not good for me. So he stands with courage, and, and he's willing to stand alone. And folks, we can see that history, our history, even in American history, has proven that the majority is wrong much of the time. And just because the majority likes a particular value and passes a particular law, it doesn't mean that the value or the law is right. And we're seeing a lot of that today. You know, what's right is right, and it will always be right. And no matter how many people say something wrong is right, it's not going to make it right. Because only God decides what's right and wrong. It's not up to the majority vote. So Daniel goes, you know, I don't care if everybody else is doing it. I'm not. And that, that kind of courage, as we can just see through the story, is the kind of courage that God is, he's going to bless you for that. Look at what Exodus says. 
Never follow the crowd in doing wrong. And don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. How many times have you guys been in the office or, you know, in your work environments or school and somewhere someone starts to talk about this subject that uh, this the, a value that you know is completely wrong? And all of a sudden you find yourself in that, that awkward position, but because of the mood of the majority, you don't say that it's wrong. So you just stand back. You don't have the courage to speak up. Paul says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, stand true to what you believe. And listen to what he tells you because he knew, he knew that it was going to be hard to do what he's asking you to do. To stand up for a value that you know is wrong is a hard thing to do, especially when the majority disagrees with you. So he says, stand true to what you believe. Be courageous and be strong. Folks, we need men and we need women of courage today in our culture that's turning wrong into right and that's turning darkness into light and that's turning bitter into sweet. I mean, this life of Daniel, he shows this integrity and this courage and this discipline. But he, what he also showed, as, as I read through this, is that he, he shows so much humility. I mean, for this young man to show so much humility and, and be so tactful with authority is amazing. When he couldn't do what authority asked him to do, which is going to happen to us, he said, I can't do this. It's against my values. It's morally, morally wrong for me. But he's very tactful about it. You know, maybe he didn't know exactly the reason why God, you know, Daniel trusted in God, but he trusted so much in God that he knew that somehow he was supposed to, you know, submit himself and report to this pagan authority, to this pagan leader. And the reason I share that with you this morning is because I know that some of you are going to have bad bosses in this life. Well, guess what? Maybe God has allowed them to be your boss. Some of you are going to have bosses who are going to ask you to do something morally wrong or dishonest or whatever. And you know, as we read through the story, it tells us that we need to understand how we're going to be able to stand up to these type of things. Because look at what the rest of the story says, in, 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 starting in verse 8 in the book of Daniel. He says, And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. But you guys notice in this story that Daniel didn't demand anything? He didn't rebel. He didn't say, I demand my rights and I'm going to organize a walkout. And, you know, he just simply asked for permission. What a concept. Can I have permission to be exempt from this? That's the first thing that he does, which shows that he's very respectful to authority. And it says that now God had given the chief official great respect for Daniel. You know, Daniel had been in Babylon for less than a year at this time, but evidently this young kid is doing something amazing, something spectacular that earns the respect of this pagan official. You know, this officer said, it doesn't matter to me what you eat, Daniel. I just, I couldn't care less, but you're supposed to eat what the king said. And if you don't, and you look, you know, like you're not in good health compared to everybody else, it's literally my head is what he's saying. So next, Daniel offered a suggestion. And, and just see if you can hear his humility through when he speaks to this. And starting in verse 12, he says, 
Please test your servant for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine, and they were to drink, and wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables instead. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel and his three friends. So they were each promoted to positions in the king's service. You know, even though Daniel never gives up his integrity, he never gives up his compromise, his convictions, we see in the story that he still soars. And what's even more amazing is that he thrives in this pagan, ungodly, secular, anti-God culture. And we see that this is the first of his promotions. He's growing in influence. And I think Daniel is this amazing example of how we can all make a case for ourselves. He gives us these tools and these qualities that we can learn from so that if we ever need to make an appeal to a position of power, I mean, a person of power or authority, I mean, chances are we're all going to be facing something like this in our lifetime where we're going to have to go against the grain to say something is wrong. And I think it's happening sooner than we think. It's happening in our society today. You know, Daniel displayed this integrity, this discipline, this courage, and this humility, but there was more. As, as I kept reading, reading the story, I mean, there's so many things were just popping out of what an amazing qualities and abilities this guy had. And there's, there's reasons for all of that, that Daniel was able to find favor. It, it wasn't luck or chance. Of course, it was a lot of God's blessing, but it was that Daniel had some characteristics that, that I think we should all strive to have. And I believe that if we have these same characteristics, you know, God and people, especially people of authority and power, are going to find favor in us as believers of Christ. You know, notice that in this story, Daniel had a reputation for responsibility. Notice in the passage that it says that the chief officer had great respect for Daniel. He had developed a reputation for responsibility. So evidently, this 15-year-old kid Daniel, he stood out for his good attitude, his responsibility, his consistency, his loyalty, all of these character qualities. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs. If you do your job well, leaders will notice and you will serve before king. That's exactly what happened to Daniel. You know, the fact is that people with great responsibility, you know, like leaders, they're going to notice people who are responsible because they understand how important responsibility is. Folks, Christians should have the best reputation in the marketplace. We should be known as the most responsible employees. We should be known as the best citizens in the nation. We should be the hardest working employees that are out there. We, we should be known as the most trustworthy, the most honest, that we're the most consistent I mean, if you go to your workstation, I mean, your, your work area, your place of work, and you're, you're a slacker, and you're always taking time off, and always getting there late, and, you know, you take longer lunch breaks, and spend your time on the computer doing stuff you're not supposed to, and you spend yourself, you know, talking on personal calls the whole time, and basically what I'm talking about is you're just a general slacker. People, especially leaders, aren't, they're not going to find favor in you. 
And what's even worse, you're going to tell them, hey, I'm a Christian. That, that, that shouldn't be us. All of us are going to need God's favor and people's favor in our life at some time or another. On the other hand, if you're the best employee, you're the most responsible, you're the most consistent, you're the hardest worker, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get promoted. They're going to find favor in you. And when things get tough, like we hear in the, in the case of Daniel, people are going to listen to you. You know, notice also that Daniel wasn't belligerent when he asked for this exemption. He didn't demand anything. You know, you want people, especially people in places of authority and authority figures to find favor in you? Don't turn things into public spectacles. Don't put it on Facebook, how unfair your boss is being to you. You know, attitude determines acceptance. Daniel is not turning this into this national situation. He's not rebelling. He's not hardening the attitude. He's humbly going behind the scenes and says, hey, can we work this out? He's not making a demand. He's humble. He's not belligerent. You know, what I also find fascinating about this story and this young man, and I, I, I want more of this because it's amazing, is how, how Daniel, at such a young age, think about this, he gets to the heart of the matter. He wasn't talking about, I can't do this because of this, and, you know, always about me, 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 me. No, it was like, let, let me, he appealed to the chief official's needs. He appealed to that guy. He said, hey, let's try this a different way. You want me to eat this food because the king thinks it will make me healthier. I have no problem with that. I want to be healthy. Why don't we just try this 10-day thing and see how this works out? If this works, great. It's a win-win. If it doesn't, you decide. You're the boss. You're in charge. You're the authority. We're going to start with your goals. And what were the chief official's goals? He says, I just don't want the king to have my head because you're unhealthy. So he appealed to them. I mean, how much can we learn from that if we just approach things in a different way where we, we're looking at the other person and we consider them better, the Bible says, than ourselves in anything that we face, whether it's at work, our spouses, our, our relationships. If we just appeal to their needs first, how much further could we get if we were to do that? That's amazing that I get to see this in the life of Daniel right here. Isn't that amazing how he handles himself? I mean, there's so much to learn from this kid. But I think that's what we need to strive for ourselves. And at the end of all of this, I mean, we might display all of these things and find that, hey, listen, it, it, things still don't work out for us that way. Well, if that's the case, if we do all of these things and things still don't go our way, then, then we need to hold true to God's promises. And like Daniel, because if we read the rest of the book of Daniel, we're going to find that this is the first thing that Daniel faces. But Daniel trusted in God. He trusted so much in his plan that it didn't matter what he faced. He knew that if he trusted in God's plan, that he could have, you know, Romans 8.28 be true for his life. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love, who love God according to his purposes. And listen to the scripture. It's not a promise for everybody. It's only a promise for those who love God and trust his purpose. God works for the good if you trust in his plan. We know that not everything is good in the world. There's bad leaders. There's bad laws. There's bad policies. There's bad people in the world. But God says, I can even use all of that for good if you trust me, he says. 
But at the end of all of this, there's one thing that gave Daniel the courage to stand alone and not conform to his society. There's one thing that I think we need to take home with us this, this morning. And it's that Daniel lived in close relationship with God. Daniel walked with God. He talked to him every single day. He considered God his friend. He had God's presence in his life, and he had God's promises in his heart, and he had God's spirit in his life. And he had God's people, like we do this morning, around him. He had God's protection, and because of that, he had God's favor. So folks, as, as our culture becomes more secular and more hostile to people of faith, more unbiblical and more anti-Christian values, and, and the pressure for you to conform is going to go up. Just, I don't have to speak so much about what's going on just in our nation today. The Bible tells us that it's not going to get better. It can get better through us, but biblically, it says that it's, those, those pressures aren't going down. If anything, they're going to continue to go up. But how we respond to that, that means you and I, how we respond to that is going to determine how much God is going to be able to bless your life and determine how much God is going to be able to bless everything that he works through us. You see, it's not enough to say, God, please bless our nation. That's a great prayer. But you know how he's going to bless our nation? It's going to be through you and through me. We have to be the first ones. We are going to have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and take some of these lessons that we hear about seriously because that change is going to come through us. So I want to end this morning with just some clear advice from the Apostle Paul, from St. Paul. And I'm going to read to you out of the Message Bible because I just think it explains it so much easier. And this pretty much sums up the courage and character of Daniel that I think we should take home so that we would be a different people as we walk out of those doors. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And it says, Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with the dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I live in them and move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. With promises like this, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are just sitting here before you, Lord, listening to your word. 
And Lord, we know that your word speaks truth into our hearts and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord. So we believe in their word and we pray this morning that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we would be a different people as we walk out of these doors, a different people that understands the qualities and the abilities that you want us to possess because you're giving them to us in your word. For your word is used to instruct us, Father. So as we accept that challenge, Father, I pray that you would give us more than that, that you would give us integrity, courage, humility, Father, that you would allow us to be the people that would find favor with other people, the courage to be able to speak up when it's the right time and the, and the ability to know when that right time is. Father, and most importantly, I just pray that all of us here in this room would take you seriously, Lord, knowing that if we are true to you and that we just hold to your beliefs and your word and that we would just follow you and speak with you and pray to you and on a daily basis just reach out to you in, in all our needs. Father, I pray that, that not only you would find favor in us, Lord, but that we would be agents of change in this country that so desperately needs change. Lord, it starts with us. So I pray that you would bless us in that way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.